Well, good morning. It is nice to be with you. Um, I am uh, Father Steve Kennedy, and I serve as assisting priest at St. David's Anglican Church in Burbank with Father Jose Poach, who I think some or many of you know. Um, I have been there, I think, 14 years or so. I went there during my last year of seminary to intern and, and then was ordained through there in the diocese um, of Luiro in Uganda as a deacon in 2006 and then as a priest in 2009. And I work uh, during the week at Los Angeles Mission where I'm the chief financial officer and I've been there for over 13 years and I've spent all of my working life uh, as an accountant and financial manager. So just a little bit about me before I uh, speak God's word to you. So let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time in this place, this word, the Bible that you give to us, God. And I just pray that you will uh, speak through me uh, to your people and help us, Lord, as we continue on our, the lifelong journey you have for us as disciples of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the call that you have on each and every one of our lives, dear Lord. And we just thank you and praise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to start by asking a couple questions. Um, what have you spent most, most time in your life pursuing? And what has cost you the most in terms of sacrifice and effort? Good to great athletes, and I'm not one of them, don't just lace up their shoes and produce outstanding results. Kobe Bryant was an all-time great Los Angeles Laker basketball player. Yes, he was talented, but nobody worked harder and exerted more effort than Kobe over his 20-year career. Serena Williams has worked, sweated, and persevered to win 23 major tennis titles. She didn't win on her incredible talent alone. To run a marathon, one probably needs to run 800 miles total in training in the six months before the race to finish the 26 miles. I was uh, blessed, or some would say crazy enough, to run th- three New York marathons, New York City marathons, in the 1990s when I lived uh, in New York. Olympic athletes, actors, musicians, scholars spend years and decades of hard work and commitment to excellence to get to the top. All of us have spent Significant parts of our lives working in certain facets where we've just devoted a lot of energy and hard work. So if we people exert so much of ourselves into these endeavors, doesn't it make sense that followers of Jesus should bring the same level of commitment to walking with the Lord and Savior of the world, Jesus Christ? In the parable that precedes our gospel reading today, the parable of the large banquet, Jesus emphasized that his invitation to salvation from sin through faith in him is open to all. God's grace and Jesus' obedience and sacrifice on the cross were a free gift to us all, but it cost Jesus his life. And while salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ is free to us, Jesus teaches us in today's gospel that following him will cost us everything we have. So after this parable in Luke 14, verse 25, Jesus has left the house of a prominent Pharisee 
where he had a banquet with many other Pharisees um, after the Sabbath meal. And so then he leaves and he continues on his journey to Jerusalem, where we know he will go to the cross to die for our sin. And Luke tells us in, that great crowds of people were traveling with Jesus and his disciples because they recognized something rare and special about Jesus and thought he would do amazing things as he had done before, the miracles, the great teachings. People would say, he teaches like no one else we've heard with authority, and it was the authority of God. So in our passage, Jesus proceeded to tell the crowds how costly it is to follow him and be his disciple. But before I go further, I just want to briefly define disciple. We've all heard the word, and it's really not a, it's a simple word, and it just means a follower or a learner. And in the Bible, the disciple is a personal follower of Jesus during his life. And applied to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to live like him, and someone who, because of God's awakening grace, conforms his or her words and ways to the words and ways of Jesus. And in our passage, Jesus stated three main points in speaking about costly discipleship. First, in verse 26, Jesus said, If you come to me and don't love me more than anyone else in the world, and even above your own life, you cannot be my disciple. And he uses a strong word. Basically, he says, if you don't hate your family. And what he's saying is, he doesn't mean literally to just, just to hate them. It's to love your family and your life less than me, Jesus. And hate, when he uses that, he's also speaking about disavowing our primary allegiance to one's family ties. Even how important those are. Because our identity comes from God's purpose and, faith, and our faithfulness to the gospel message of Jesus and not from family lines or social status. Then he goes on in verse 27 to say, Whoever does not carry his own cross and follow my way of suffering cannot be my disciple. Bearing the cross is another requirement for our identity as a disciple. Jesus died the most humiliating, excruciating death for our sin. And Jesus calls us to identify with that suffering that he had by giving up our pursuit of social status, power, possessions, worldly success. And I could go on and on. And to even go as far as to suffer, if required, for our faith. And we know in our world there are still people, mostly in other parts of the world, who are dying because they proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. That's what disciples are supposed to, to do, to be prepared to do. And then, moving to the end of our passage in verse 33, Jesus said, anyone who does not say goodbye to all his possessions cannot be my disciple. We renounce and break free from thinking that we own things, the things that God has so graciously given to us, and recognize that all that we have and all that we are belongs to God for his use and for his kingdom purposes. Jesus is telling us in this passage, and he tells us in other places in Scripture, 
that following him takes priority over everything else in our lives. And being a disciple of Jesus involves more than just showing up. It's not a part-time job. It's not a second position or job or a casual relationship that we only attend to when it is convenient or when, we're re- when we really need something. It's not an Im- invitation to an easy life and uh, the comforts and pleasures of life. It demands sacrifice and suffering. True disciples love Jesus more than anything else, more than family, friends, and loved ones, more than work, more than pleasures of life, more than money, more than anything or anyone else, even life itself. We can love these things. They're good. Many of them are good. God has given these things to us. He's created us with the minds that think and our hearts that feel and motivations. And God commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves and to honor father and mother. And these are still to be obeyed. And God also wants us to take responsibility to care for ourselves, our families, and people in our lives. But Jesus makes it clear that no one or no thing should get in the way of our love for Christ. We are called to follow Christ no matter the cost. And in Jesus' first century context, deciding to follow Jesus for some meant deciding against family. And the same is still true today in certain Muslim families and nations. When people decide they're going to follow Christ, their family will have none of that and say, okay, goodbye. That does happen. And because Jesus' idea of discipleship is so costly, Jesus taught that it is very important to count the cost of following him if we're going to finish the walk with him. And he says, just like a builder of a tower needs to know that he has the resources to finish the job and a king who is in a position to go to war with another nation needs to decide whether he, he, his army can win that battle. The would-be disciple needs to decide whether he or she has the commitment to follow Jesus through thick and thin. Because in life, we can easily get knocked off course if we don't know enough about what we will face. We need to be prepared. And all of us have experienced this in different phases of our lives in different ways. For me, in um, 2001, I was preparing to go to seminary out at Fuller Theological. I ended up going to Fuller Theological Seminary, but I took four courses in New York at a seminary in the evenings. And that wasn't too difficult, and I actually... You know, was doing great. Well, then I arrive at Fuller and in the summer, and it's before they have all orientation. So I'm just kind of out there myself. I'm, I've moved from New York to Los Angeles, and they are very different cities. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin, and so there's, there's some of that adjustment. And then I'm in a class called Historical Theology in the Medieval Times, and there was this brilliant Calvin scholar, um, and I could not follow this guy like you wouldn't believe. And I, I struggled even, and you take the courses. I took them like six weeks in a row in the summer, and then you got to do for the next two months all your work, and, or month and a half, and all your papers. And, and I'm moving around in two different, three, three different places. And it was like I was not prepared for this level of seminary. I, I had never taken a theology course before, and 
And it was just a real adjustment. But then after that, I, I got to the fall and I go, I got to really, I got to really work hard at this and kind of get my way. And, and I did. Um, and then I was fine, but I wasn't ready for what it what it took. We see this in sports. Those of you who follow, and, and actually even children, as they might move up to different levels, but in sports, you have college stars. They can be all Americans, and a lot of them, their rookie years, they kind of get blown away because they don't, it's just the game operates on a much higher level, and they don't understand the cost of success you know, in, in the pros. It can be with work, school, what, what have you, other things that, that we pursue. When we move up to more difficult things, it can take a real adjustment. We don't, it takes time for us to understand what it's going to take to accomplish this well. When we choose to walk with Jesus, we're called to dedicate our lives and focus on him and surrender every area of our lives to him. It's not enough to give up only what we want to give up. As we follow Christ, we should increasingly sense that God is claiming more and more of our lives for himself. That's actually a good thing, and hopefully we, we sense this as the, as the weeks, as the years go by in our walk with Christ. We need to be continuing to grow upward with Christ. And we should seek God and Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. Seek him to be in relationship with him, and seek his will for what that looks like in our lives. So how do we better allow the Lord to have priority in our lives? Well, being a part of a community like this is one of the most important ways that we do it, both through our attending Sunday service, Bible study, you know, coming together in prayer, other things, talking you know, with other Christians about, you know, the struggles, the challenges, and then what it means to follow Jesus above all else. Of course, God's Word. There's nothing more important than, than ourselves feeding on God's Word on a daily basis. Prayer, listening to God, these are all very important. And that's how God works in us, because He wants to change and transform us. But we have to prioritize him over everything else. And we have many examples in the Bible to encourage us. In the Gospels, Jesus called 12 disciples. They ended up becoming his apostles when he, when he sent them out, especially after, as he was, after he had died, risen from the dead, and was going to ascend to heaven to the right hand of the Father. We read about two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew and James and John. They were fishermen. And they left. When Jesus says, come and follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. They left their fishing business and lives to spend the next three years as four of Jesus' 12 top disciples or the 12. We also read in the Gospels about Levi or, or Matthew, the tax collector. And Matthew, Matthew, I'm sure, made some good money because tax collectors then, you know, they collected the tax and they were known for putting some money in their pocket. I don't know whether this Levi and uh, did this, this tax collector did this, but Jesus called out to him and said, follow me. And Matthew left everything. And then there's the Apostle Paul, who endured beatings, imprisonment, attempts 
on his life to kill him as he preached the gospel of Jesus throughout the Mediterranean Sea area. God used this man as mightily as anyone in the New Testament. He's written half the books of the New Testament scriptures that we have. And then there are missionaries then and now who sacrificed life in their home countries to spread the gospel and meet human needs in other lands. And two of my favorite missionaries are Reverend Jerry Kramer and his wife, Stacy. Perhaps you heard them speak at the 2016 Kingdom Conference. If you did, you might find him, I actually, I think he might be one of the only people I find that's even more lively than Father Charles Myers, who I, I believe is, has been at this uh, church. You know, one of these years I'll stop uh, mentioning my good brother, Father Charles. But no, he was. Or it was like, you know, they were like brothers or something. Needless to say, they really hit it off. But in September of 2014, Jerry and Stacy answered God's call and found themselves on the ground in Kurdistan, Iraq, just minutes and miles from ISIS-controlled territory and fighting. It was very dangerous where they were. And they stayed there for most of the next three to four years, and they ministered to Islamic people in Iraq. And their ministry is called Love for the Least, and they also support 400 orphans in East Africa, most of whom come from extreme poverty and are orphans because of the genocide that has gone on there. And Jerry, I actually, I think I I saw him back in the 2000s after after Hurricane Katrina in 2005, not right at that time, because he was at the the Episcopal Church, the Annunciation Church in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina flooded out, you know, his church ruined it along with so many other things. And, you know, they received insurance proceeds and then donations, but they never rebuilt their church. Instead, they funneled those donations and relief money into providing food, supplies, walk-up medical care, and daycare for people in need. And they they made their church into warehouses that distributed the food and supplies. And they served, it could have been 85,000 people. Well, most of us haven't been and, you know, will not not be full-time missionaries. We may go on some short-term mission trips, but, you know, we live right where we are here and where God calls us. And that's important because God has a different call on each and every one of us. And and our job is to fulfill that call, whether you're in health care, caring for people's uh, health needs. Um, You can be, you know, an accountant, um, a teacher, all these things you And I can be and are the hands and feet of Jesus, the heart, the mind of Christ. And as um, we have this written word, but I've heard preachers and teachers say that, you know, we can be sometimes we're the only Bible that people may see and, and may read because, you know, our conduct, our conversation, our character should reflect Christ. And, and ultimately, our job is to, is to follow Jesus wherever he leads. And according to Jesus in today's 
gospel reading and in other parts of, of the gospels, Jesus' disciples are people who change every priority in their lives to conform to Jesus' way of the cross. Disciples know how much it will cost, and they put their trust and faith in Christ to empower them to push through the challenges and sufferings they may go through for the sake of the gospel. Is this the cry of your heart and my heart? Jesus has taught us that we should put aside all competing interests so that God can transform us to live like Jesus lived and to teach like Jesus taught. And may this be the highest priority of our lives today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen.